And uh, next, uh, well, this Sunday, um, well, let me back up. Saturday, you pray for us. Lord willing, we're going to get that exterior of the church house painted. Hoping to get it all done in one day. If not, the vast majority of it. And then Sunday, uh, Brother Crowder is going to be bringing a lesson in the Sunday school hour. Then I'll be preaching two sermons. Next Wednesday, a week from today, Brother Tate Pierce from Faith Baptist Church in Sefner, he's going to preach. I'm going to be here, but he's going to preach. And then he's going to present uh, some camps. These camps are under the authority of Damascus Baptist Church. Brother Dale Wallace is the pastor there. Brother Pierce has been to some of them. Uh, and so he's going to come. He got... I talked to him about it. He called Brother Wallace. Brother Wallace said it would be fine. And so he's going to come and present them. The Bible camp is the first week. They have two different weeks, June 18th through 24th. And then the second one is July 2nd through the 8th. You can go to either one. And so uh, Brother Pierce is going to be here, and he's going to... Uh, if you have any questions about that, write them down. And then when he's done, uh, we'll ask him. Uh, you know, I've told you everything I know. So, but uh, it, it's uh, something that the church in Bradenton, where Brother Pierce used to be at uh, as a member, Brother Jim Burnham, uh, they've gone up there many years. I've heard good things about it. It's not an Arminian, raise your hand and be saved camp. It's not that. It's a preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Uh, it's a time where uh, different churches of the Lord, people come and they, they have the Word of God preached to them throughout the day. And so, uh, looking forward to him, you be in prayer for him with that. Mark chapter 2, verse 13, we'll read down through verse 20. Our subject is regeneration versus religion. Regeneration versus religion. Verse 13, And he went, that it's Christ, he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of the, of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? 
As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Now, we have set before us a solemn truth, and it's one that has plagued many religious people down through the ages, including uh, Baptists and non-Baptists. And this truth that's set before us is that there are two kinds of sinners. There's saved sinners and there's lost sinners. And as one preacher brethren I heard said some years ago, he said there might be something else in between, but that's what they are. We ought to think seriously about which one I am. I want you to turn over here just for a brief moment to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want us to seriously ponder the question, am I truly washed in the blood of the Lamb? Or am I like the religious people of Christ's day, of Paul's day, of pretty much every single day there's ever been? And I think that Paul gives a good description of them here in Romans 10. He tells us in Romans 10 and verse 3, he says, for they, he's referring unto Israel as a whole. He said, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so we need to ask ourselves, am I truly saved? Have I been washed in the blood of Christ? Have I been born again? Am I regenerated? Or am I seeking to establish my own righteousness? Because that's what we have set before us here. Turn over to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 11. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is a question that we ought to ponder and inquire with ourselves. Am I saved? And, you know, a lot of people, they'll give an answer, oh yes, and they'll tell of some, some, uh, some, you know, something they've done. Well, salvation is of the Lord, the Bible tells us. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourselves. See, that's what the Pharisees in our text were not doing. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. They weren't examining themselves, were they? They were looking at Christ and looking at the publicans and the sinners and saying, why are you eating with them? And he says, examine yourselves whether you be in the church. Nope. Examine yourselves whether you be, you know, uh, uh, baptized. It's not what it says. 
It says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Prove it. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates. And again, reprobates means that it's been tried and then it's found to be not good and cast away. Now we know, and we've said this, and we've preached on this, that Christ is coming again. And so I, I, I implore you, each and every one here, to make sure that you're in Christ. Amen. Because there was a day when people were not in something and it was too late. There was a day when they weren't in the ark and it was too late. And there's going to come a day, the Bible tells us, when the door is going to be shut and no man shall enter in. It's going to be too late. So either you're either saved by the blood of Christ, you're either saved by faith in Him and His righteousness has been imputed or put on your account, or you are trusting in your own works. And the Bible tells us that you will not be saved. It's very plain. It's very clear. Amen. And so we ought to think seriously about this. Our text of Mark chapter 12 tells us about some sinners who sat with Christ. Are you not glad that Christ sat with sinners? Are we not glad that He comes and, and I don't want to say communes or necessarily fellowships with Him, but He at least comes unto us, doesn't He? Because if Christ didn't come to us, then none could be saved. And how is it that Christ came into contact with these other publicans and sinners? It was through Levi or Matthew, wasn't it? Here was Matthew. He had been saved and then God calls him to follow him. He says, follow me. And so now, what was it we read in chapter 1? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So now Matthew's following him and what's he do? He prepares a feast and he says, he invites Christ. He's the central guest. He's the one that this is whole evening or this whole supper is built upon. And then the Bible tells us that others came and sat at meat. This, this, this meeting, this, this meal was number one, to glorify God. Number two, he wanted to be with other disciples because if you're born again, you're going to love others who are also born again. You're going to want to be around them. And then he says, last of all, we find there were also uh, publicans and sinners who were there. So it was also a time where he's wanting to introduce Christ unto other people. So here he was. And you know, anytime you do something for the glory of God, there's always going to be opposition. Every single time in Scripture something is done for God's glory, there's going to be opposition. 
Abel offered God a sacrifice that God asked for or required. There was opposition, his brother. Here we find that Levi does this and the religion of his day, they will find fault with anything and everything that you do. They will pick it apart. There will be something about it and they will hook onto it. And, and in this instance it was, well, if Jesus is so righteous, then how come he's eating with sinners? Now these here, and I want to note this primarily first this morning, the religion of Christ's day, these were the scribes and the Pharisees in this instance. Verse 16, when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, they will never go to Christ. Okay? Today, when we are dealing with things, when we're serving the Lord, and people see it, they don't go to Christ and say, well, your, your, your disciples are doing this. They'll come to us, but they won't go to this book. They won't go to the Word of God. They'll say, well, well, you're doing this. And to be honest with you, sometimes they'll say, well, you're doing this. And I'm like... Well, listen, you know, your, your argument sounds real good, but I, I've got to look at Scriptures. But here they come to the disciples. Notice, they had an issue with Jesus, but they won't go to Him. Satan's very crafty, isn't he? i got an issue with Christ, so let me plant some doubt in the minds of His disciples. I got an issue with what the Lord Jesus is doing, so I'm going to start picking off at His disciples. And I'm so glad. I want to. I want to follow this this line of thought for just a minute. I had it broken up differently, but I want to look at it. And aren't you glad that when people come to us with things, that the next verse, verse 17, when Jesus heard it, aren't you glad He hears it? And you know he's got the right answer, doesn't he? We don't have the right answer. Notice, it never says in this passage of Scripture that his disciples answered. You look there in Mark 2, it says here in verse 16, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw me with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples... And then in verse 17, when Jesus heard it, He saith unto them. And then, you know, I think most Bibles, it's in red, so we know it's Christ talking. Then in verse 18, and the, and then, and the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say unto Him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Now, because they're already in a... Uh, engagement with Christ because He came to them, now they'll ask Him some questions. But Satan's never that direct, is he? And then verse 19, And Jesus said unto them, So if, I'll say this, if we're going to respond to people, we better respond with what Christ says. 
Ever hear somebody say, well, I, I think this. No. <coughs> Write this down, underline it twice. The Scriptures say. Thus saith the Lord. That must be our response. And so as Christ responds to these, as He responds to them, we notice in, in this how we ought, to, we ought to marvel how He dealt with them. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't, know how to, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to people. Study what Christ said. Look at how Christ talked to people. What did He use? Well, He condescended to them. He's basic, common sense things. He used Scripture. So let's look at verse 16 here at these religionists. The religion of His day, the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes were those who wrote. Probably had carpal tunnel from all the writing. Probably got writers cramp a lot, but they were the ones who would copy the scriptures. It's probably why they were so angry. Then you had the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the commentators. They were the ones who said, "Well, here's the traditions. This is, yeah, this is what scriptures say, and this is what it means, and this is what we've compiled." Some, I mean, they were the commentators of the day. They were the so-called authorities on the Word of God. Yet when He who is the Word of God was there, their commentators and Christ didn't line up, did they? That's why in Matthew 5, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus kept saying, well, you've heard this, but I say this. Commentators got it wrong. The traditions were wrong. These here knew the words of the Bible, but they did not have the Word of God written on their hearts. They knew things about God, but they did not know Him. And they have the voices of a Christless religion. There's belief systems today, religions that talk about Holy Spirit, and yet they're void of the Holy Spirit. While these here were void of Christ, and there are many today who follow in their footsteps. They observe and practice and are obsessed with outward righteousness, but they're void of inward purity. Look over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I think one of the reasons they're obsessed with outwardness is because inwardly there's nothing there. There's just dead men's bones. And if they were to work out what was within them, then there's nothing there. A lot of people mistake holiness today for legalism. There's a difference. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, the Bible says that in the last days, 
verse 1, then in verse 5, there'll be those who having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. The Pharisees are a type of those who would be in the last days. They've got a form of religion, but there's no power. There's no spirituality. These Pharisees and scribes viewed keeping company with sinners as defilement. And yet they failed to realize that they were the ones who were defiled by their own inward evil thoughts and intents of their hearts. There's a lot of people sitting in pews today who are like this. They'll look down their religious noses at certain individuals and they look down them outwardly, but they fail to see that inwardly they're defiled. There used to be in days past and gone, people would look down at, at folks and it was all outward, you know, and I'm not, I'm not excusing any of this. But Jesus, that's what He was teaching about in His Sermon on the Mount. He says, listen, you think that you're okay? You're looking at this person here and, and, and they're committing adultery. But guess what? If you look on a woman and lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery. See, you've got evil in here. And you're just, the only thing you're doing is deceiving yourself. He says, you think this person here, this one's a murderer. You've already murdered somebody inside. I mean, you're three quarters a murderer. So, we find here that this is who Christ was dealing with. People who didn't understand. People who were confused. Folks who were blinded by their own self-righteousness that they couldn't even see how wicked they really were. You see, the Pharisees were just the same sinners that the publicans were. That's why Jesus called them whited sepulchers. He said, Boy, you really make the outside real nice. You know, they said, oh, if the prophets were here, we wouldn't have killed them. And yet, the one who sent the prophets, they crucified and slain. Today, we have folks who go to church, have no love for God. who have no love for His church, His Word, nor for sinners. It's all mechanical. It's all outward religion. And yet they're far from God. Look in Mark chapter 7 if you would. Mark chapter 7 verse 6.
here the Lord spoke about them and and these these sinners were as Christ said he goes you know hundreds of years ago Isaiah wrote about you guys isn't that an amazing thing hey I Christ in speaking verse 5 it says then the Pharisees and scribes asked him why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. He says, Isaiah wrote about you. And if he wrote about us too, if we're here and we're trusting in our outward religious conformity, and we don't have any Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we're looking down at folks for this, that, and the other. He wrote about me too. And he said, as it is written, verse 6, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Verse 7, Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and so many other such like things ye do. A lot of things like that happening today. They condemned others believing they were better than, than the same ones they condemned. Whether you have religion, whether it's fancy or plain, practice regularly or irregularly, whether you're devout or you, you practice your religion at convenience, if you do not have Christ, the hope of glory in you, you're a lost sinner. Amen. The Bible calls Him such in Colossians 1.27. Christ, the hope of glory. That word hope, as we've said before, it means Christ, the assurance of glory. And it's interesting, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then it says, Christ, the assurance of glory. And so you've got to have Christ in you to have assurance of glory. Look over in Philippians chapter 3. Book of Philippians chapter 3, Paul the Apostle, he was, he was probably the most famous Pharisee. And you know God saved him from such and that's exactly what it takes. It takes God through the power of the Gospel to save us from our own wicked thoughts, wicked imaginations, and evil intents. And look here in Philippians 3 verse 4, notice what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He said, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So Paul says, if you're trusting 
and what you've done and your own righteousness, he said, listen, I can beat you. I've got more trust in me. I was the best of the best when it came to self-righteousness. And he begins to describe here in verse 5, he begins to describe his self-righteousness. These are the things that he trusted in. And he said, circumcised the eighth day. So, right there, I mean the eighth day, didn't miss a beat. Not before, not after, right on the eighth day, according to the law of Moses. He says, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So, I, I wasn't a proselyte. I hadn't come in. I wasn't a Gentile or a Samaritan. I was of the stock of Israel, one of the twelve tribes. And not only one of the twelve tribes, I was one of the two tribes that remained faithful the longest in the kingdom of Judah. It was Judah and Benjamin. He goes on a little further. He says, in Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal. Here's how zealous I was. I persecuted the church. Because according to the Pharisees, the church was preaching things contrary to the Word of God. We know they weren't. Paul found that out. But he persecuted the church. That's, how, that's the zeal that he had. He says, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But I want you to notice here in verse 7, Paul says this was it. I mean, I don't want you to think about this for a minute. If we were to you know, kind of modernize that today, you know, imagine... Imagine Paul standing here, you know, well, I grew up in a Baptist church. Had a Baptist cradle. My parents were faithful members, charter members. All the original ones, you know, because that means you, you know, got more clout. It doesn't. My dad, he was a deacon or he was in the ministry. My mom taught Sunday school, played the piano. Family, brothers led the singing. We never missed. We were always at all the services. We we weren't just any kind of Baptist, you know. We were we were the we were the sovereign grace landmark missionary pre-trib pre-mill all the adjectives. Oh, we had our doctrine. That's essentially what Paul is saying. Then he comes to this next point. He says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul says that Christ is the most important thing. And he says all these things that I had, all my self-righteousness, I count it but dung. If you don't know what dung is, that's what the animals leave in the yard. It's poop. It's refuse. Refuse. 
says, I count all of that but dung that I may win Christ. Because if all you have is what Paul had, and if all you have today is your mom and daddy went to church, your, your parents raised you in church, you were taught this, your dad was this, your mom was that, all that. If that's all you've got, you have nothing. Because you need Christ. Amen. See, we've got Pharisees today. Amen. And so Christ, He hears their words. He hears them asking His disciples. And Christ hears everything. And the Bible tells us that Christ responded His disciples, the the Pharisees and scribes are asking the disciples and Jesus, He comes over there. And I I really don't think they wanted Him there. If they did, they would have went and talked to Him. And so Christ responds to them. And look how He condescends. He takes a natural, a thing of the natural realm, and he says it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. He said, Here's something you all know about, and and here's something that maybe this will help you understand. Now, this doesn't really apply today, because if you notice what he said, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. Don't quote that to your insurance company when they tell you it's time for your annual checkup and if you don't get it, they're going to drop you from the insurance. We get papers every, I mean, with all the kids and them being on Medicaid, oh, it's time for the annual checkup. If you don't go to the annual checkup, then you'll be denied coverage. They're not sick. There was a day when you didn't go see a doctor unless you were sick. They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. And he says, I did not come. I came not to call the righteous. I didn't come to call people who were already righteous to repentance. I came to call sinners. See, sinners and the sick people, they're the same. He's comparing them. And he says... They need a physician. And that's what I've come to do. Those who are already healed, those who are are, are not sick, they don't need a physician. Now, the Pharisees were sick, but they didn't know. That was their problem. See, the Bible tells us that Christ has come to call sinners unto repentance. Paul wrote about this. It's a wonderful scripture, 1 Timothy 1.15. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's why Christ came into the world to save sinners. He came to call sinners. And these religionists, these religious people of His day as well as our day, 
They try to hide their sin with religion, with a cloak of self-righteousness. This is an old trick. It's the same thing that Adam and the woman did in the garden. You remember? They ate of the tree and they saw they were naked, so they sewed themselves together aprons of fig leaves. And when God saw it, He said, This will not do. It's just another apron of fig leaf. Or another apron of fig leaves. People, you know, a lot of folks who say, well, and, and, and people like to use this, but it's true about anybody and everybody who wants to stand on their own religion. They're essentially saying, look at all the things I've done, God. Whether I've done them in your name, or whether I've just done them. Look at all the good works I've done. Look at all the demons I've cast out, and Christ is going to say, depart from me, you works of iniquity, for I never knew you. These Pharisees had a righteousness, and as Paul said, it was it was it wasn't it was they were blameless. But Christ said, "Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven." You're not going to enter it. Growing up in this church, sitting in these pews, attending all the services, you know, not, not, you know, violating the Ten Commandments, and we could go through those, and every one of us has violated every one of them. Amen. Every one of them. But we can sit here and we can we can build our garment, we can sew our fig leaves together. And be all excited, you know. Get there and you're at... I'm at the wrong judgment. No. You trusted in the wrong thing. Look in John chapter 9, the Gospel of John chapter 9, verse 41. This is a great description of the Pharisees. Again, Christ is responding to them. Let's go ahead and read verse 40 and 41. John 9 verse 40. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. See, that's the Pharisees. They were saying, Oh, we, we see things clearly. We see the will of God. We see God's Word. He says, You're blind. And you have sin. And that's the way religion is. See, religion will make you feel good in this life, but it's not going to hold up in the life to come. Your religion will fail you. Christ will not. And so Christ is 
conversing with them. And again, he replies unto them when he heard it. And so this was his answer to them. He condescended to them, something they would know, and he compared a spiritual thing to a natural realm, to the realm we live in. And as you and I, as we both, have opportunities to bear witness to others about Christ, this is how we ought to respond to Him. Ever have people ask you some questions and you're going, why would you ask that question? That's the oddest question to ask. And you might say, well, I don't know how to answer them. Maybe you know the answer, but you don't know how to answer it, you know? Well, ask the Lord. Lord, how do you want me to answer them? Look in His Word, how He answered people. It's all there. The main theme here is that religion won't do. It won't do. Touch not, taste not, handle not. See, legalism will not satisfy the law of God. Only the righteousness of God will satisfy the law of God. And that righteousness is imputed or it's moved over to you. It's put on your account. By faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. So as we close up our Bibles, as we put our notes away, I want to leave you with this. Are you saved? Have you been born again? Or are you trusting in religion? Are you really trusting in Christ? Are you leaning on Him or are you trusting your own devices? Make sure in the here and in the now while it is called today the Bible says you might go out those doors and not make it home to your earthly home. And so the absolute necessity, the time, is now. And the seriousness is your, the, the eternal resting place of your soul. So we pray that God would bless His Word.